The sermon from this morning comes from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. And it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Alex. Well, good morning, everyone. That was intentional. This is uh, OG Sunday at City Church. A lot of you new people don't know what I mean by that, but we have some some people who've been here for were part of starting the church and just here for years before I was even here that are here today. It's good to see you all. Glad to have you here to celebrate and just to even witness what God's done over the years and continues to do. My name is Mike. If, you're, if I don't know you, I'm one of our pastors. Our, our lead pastor, Scott, is out of town right now, which I found out this morning. <laughs> but it's fine. I also found out I was preaching this morning. I'm joking, I didn't. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Share that joke earlier, so I'm just riding it out now. Um, but no, it's good to see all your faces, and hope you had a great Christmas, and that sickness didn't hit you too hard. I've heard so many people are sick right now, and... Um, yeah, I hope that your family was spared, and if not, that you're able to just to come and fill those tanks up this morning and be cared for and loved here. Uh, you know, we I was supposed to do, we were supposed to go back to Mark, the book of Mark for one sermon, and it was on the abomination of desecration or something like that, and I was like, no, <laughs> I'm not doing that. So uh, it was like this little apocalyptic uh, vert of, passage right around 13, and I just like, yeah, let's don't do that. Let's actually prepare for the new year, and we'll come back to Mark. We'll go back to those passages, and I think we're starting a, a series on on the fruits of the Spirit and spiritual uh, gifts and that kind of thing. That's, again, why we're doing that, but for today, I decided to go with Hebrews because it's one of my favorite passages when I think about starting over and new, and it's, it's a people who've, who are tired, Hebrews 5, it says, the writer of Hebrews says that, he says like this, he says, um, about this, what he's referring to in Hebrews 5, we have much to say, but it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. You've become dull of hearing. And then he goes on in 6 to say, we desire for each one of you to show you the same earnestness to have the full assurance of the hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So you see people who have grown sluggish, who who are dull. And many times I find the holidays can lead to that for me. There's a lot of food, there's extra sleep, there's a lot going on, and then hope is often deferred, meaning you've been hoping and you you, you want those connections with your brother or your family to be so good, and they don't feel quite as much as you would hope that they would, right? And even Friday, we were invited to some friend's house 
uh, home. Um, the Sadlers were there, which was another OG from the church. That was great. And we were going there to hang out with these two couples. And I just, my heart, I told my wife on the way there, I think I'd just rather be in bed tonight. You know, and I just noticed the resistance in me. Even though I love these two couples, and we had so much fun, and we laughed and had joy and shared stories, and it was, we left there more full than we came. I'm so glad we went. But I'm just noticing that resistance. What about you? How do you come into the new year? I hope that you'll just slow down and even have this time to slow down and go, where's my heart? Where's my heart? And at the end, I want to even give you some directives for entering the new year. Like what, how, how maybe you could slow down and see what, where you've been and what you need maybe in the future. So, again, Hebrews is, they're, they're going to give up. And this is, the entire book is about encouragement. And our passage today is great because it encourages them to first look back. It's coming off of Hebrews 11, which is the Hall of Faith. It's the famous chapter on all the greats that have gone before them, right? So to look back, and then from looking back, to look away. And I'll tell you what we mean by look away in a moment. But then finally, to look to. Right, so that's going to be our three points as we move forward. To look back first, to look away, and then to look towards. So, again, when you see the word therefore, you ask what it's there for, Right? So, therefore, it's Hebrews 11. Uh, it's the Hall of Faith. And, you know, I, I love the passage, and, you know, I teach it more than ever because uh, I love talking about Genesis, especially when I'm doing counseling with people. And one of the things I love to tell people about Genesis is when Moses wrote it. You've probably heard me say it, but Moses wrote the portion of Genesis that he wrote in the wilderness. It's when the people of God had come out and they're, they're doing circles and they're not yet in the promised land and he writes it then. Why? Well, what do, what do people who've been in slavery 400 years need? They need their story. They need to know where they came from. So it starts with the beginning of time, right? Genesis 1. And then Genesis 50 is what? What we just read. God, God will, he will look to you, Joseph says. He will visit you. He will send someone for you. He's, he's speaking to the people who are in Egypt and the Savior that will come, which is, will be Moses, right? He will hear your cry is what Joseph's promise to them in Genesis 50 is. And so Moses, looking back, he wants the Hebrews to know, here's how you got where you are. Here's your story. And you need this in order to go forward. To, to get that slavery out of your heart, to move as a new people into a new land, you need your story. And so the writer of Hebrews is jumping in on that. You who are sluggish, dull of hearing, you having a hard time, who are weighed down with life, look back. Remember, right? And that's Hebrews 11, all down through the, the people of faith. And, and here's what we learned. These are real stories and real people, right? That's what I love about Genesis. There's nothing left out. All their sins there, all their struggles, and over and over you see God intervening. And that's the second thing. It's God's involvement in the lives of his people. And so it's real people with a real God who pursues, who enters in, who walks with you, who stays faithful in the midst of all kinds of faithlessness, in the midst of all troubles. Look back. See that. You, you need that if you're dull of hearing. You need that if you want to live into desire for the new year. So it's God's involvement. And I love it. I love it in, J, in Joseph's story in particular. That's why we read Genesis 50 today. Joseph said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. 
God wasn't even involved in what you did to me. And God will visit us. He will take us forward. Genesis 50, God's involved. And then we also see God's mission. What God's been about in Hebrews 11. It's beautiful. Like uh, One of the things I like to do, I, I was going to do it later. I think I'm going to do it now, though, as I feel this out with you. But you, you know, our, our Bibles are not written with chapters and verses. They weren't intentionally written that way. Right? That's what we've added over the years. And so if you were to go to Hebrews, I, I actually have it for us. I'm going to have uh, Thomas skip ahead to that. If you go to Hebrews 11, 39 and 40, right? Just want, I want to read it without the chapter split in the middle. So listen to it. It says this. And all of these, yeah, though commended through their faith, everyone in Hebrews 11, commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. Talking about them in the past. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, this, these, these people who've gone before us, remember we have the stadium in mind here, they're sitting in the seats around us, they've gone before us, their lives show God's involved. These are real lives, God's been involved. His mission is what? He's surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. Let us also lay aside every weight, the sin which seems so, which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of faith. I'm going to stop there. Hebrews 11 was not meant to stop at, at verse 40, and then, oh, we got a new chapter. It's supposed to culminate into the entire purpose of history. Moses. Abraham, all these, we now have a better one of all those. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It, the chapter is supposed to culminate into that, and sometimes we miss that because, oh, it's the next chapter. We don't realize that, that verses 1 and 2 are, the, are, are where 11 was going. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so we see God's mission all along. Everything's build, been building to this, this greater high priest, this greater Moses, the one who entered in to our slavery and brought us out, him. So it's something better. And so for us, what does looking back mean? What does it mean for us to look back? Well, in the same way, it's what Scripture is for us. It's God's story that he's left us, this living and active thing. And so in the new year, our hope is that you will run and that we will run together to God's word. If you don't know, our DNA groups are going to be studying Philippians this year. We're going to be looking at the book of Philippians together. And if, if leaders, you haven't gotten your books, I think they're in the back and there are more in the office if they're not there. But we're going to be walking through that book together and encouraging one another, meeting together, studying his word. We're going to, again, enter. We're going to continue to preach God's word. We, we hope that you'll come here and sing it and pray it and, and not give up meeting together, as Hebrews 10 says. Right? All these encouragements to continue us forward. And as you think about God's Word, I want to use actually an Old Testament professor. He says that God's Word offers us air, A-I-R. And the first word is authority. God's Word is our authority. And as we turn to it, it is our authority. It is what we center our lives around. It's as if we take this reservoir to, our, to His Word and He fills it. And as he fills us, it becomes our response to the world around us. It becomes what's intuitive to us as we live life. His word comes out of us. 
right? There are other sermons and things where we've said on that before, but it has to do with how we believe and how we think, and we've got to get in it and be around it and, and memorize it and preach it and sing it together so that it fills that up and is, and is accessible for us as we live life. So it is. It is the core and authority of our lives. It's the center of all that we do, and it's where we get our view of God, right? Because the eye is for inspiration. It's from Him. Can you remember that every time you go to it, that God left this word for us? It's from Him. We believe that God literally, through human agency, left His word on our behalf. That's His inspiration. And then lastly, the revelation. It's where He's revealed things about Himself. If you're going to have new friendships, what do you do? You share parts of your story. And your story is what? It's past, it's present, and it's future. So it's, it's what's happened to us, it's what's happening in us, and it's our desires for what we long for. Scripture is that. It's God's story. It's His story now and His story, the story of what will be. It's where we get to know Him, right? And so here, here's, our, here's our exercise with that is that anytime you hear this, anytime you run to His Word, what is it revealing about God? That, that would be our intention with His Word as we read it in Philippians and study it together each Sunday. What is God saying to us about Himself? Let that be air to us. Let it be as if as oxygen is for us, the very thing we live on and, and breathe in. Yeah, and so that's, that's our hope is that as we begin that we look back, that we run to his word in the new year, and that it, it enlivens our heart. It brings, it brings life to us. But in looking back, we also look to. And, and here's what I mean by looking to. And this is one of those instances, I don't do this often, but it's where the Hebrew word, I just have to mention it. When it says looking to Jesus, the word actually means looking away from in order to look towards. So I have to... We look away from what it just said, right? And so we'll go back to the, to the verse here. It's verse 1 still, right? Yeah. Let us also lay aside every weight. So this is what we're looking away from, the weight and the sin which clings so closely, right? And let us run with endurance the race set before us. So here we have, guys, we have an, an, an athletic or a, a sports metaphor, if you will, of running a race. What kind of races do you need endurance for? It's the long ones, right? And in this race, he said there, there are two things that get in the way of our faith. And the first one is weights. There are weights in your lives. And so if you, if you think of any sport that you play, like swimming's been a big sport in our home because Keller is swimming now. But like, I don't know if you've ever seen a swimmer's uniform. <laughs> you know, it's the, it's the easiest sport to buy the uniform for. It's like 40 bucks and you're done. And it's you know, you wouldn't get caught standing right here, you know, <laughs> with a swimming uniform on. That's how it feels. But w- the point is, is anything that gets in the way of me swimming faster, I want to take it off. Anything that gets in the way of running, right? And so this metaphor, this, of this, the weights that are on us, I, I just want you to hear it initially. This isn't sinful things. Like, what would a weight do if you're running and you have weights on? What does it do? It tires you out. It gets in the way, right? It, it, it makes it where you can't give all of yourself. And so as we think about the new year, what are the weights? I was just telling my friend that we had, I've told all of you this, we had a lot of loss. We had seven deaths over this last year. There's been a lot of grief. And you know what I've done? My phone has become my coping strategy. It's gotten me through some hard days, unfortunately. And a lot of times it's not been scripture or not been a brother. 
Like, I've just been coping at times, and it's become a weight. It's become a burden, getting in the way of relationship with my children and my wife and myself and my God. It's a weight. It's not necessarily sinful, but it's, but it's in the way. As good of a tool as it is, what, what are the weights for you? What are the things bogging your marriage down, your parenting, your friendships, getting in the way and, and keeping you back from wanting to engage? What are those things? Let's take inventory of those, because he says, throw off every weight that's hindering. What are those for you? What are those hobbies that could be getting in the way? And then the second thing is then the sin, which easily entangles, right? It's the sin that sticks to you is another word for this. It's so easily just, it, it grabs you. And you know what the word actually means? That we're faithful to. The sin that you become faithful to. So in, remember, the journey of faith, you want to be unweighted, you want to run, fixing your eyes on Jesus. What sin does is it takes your attention and your faithfulness away, and it puts that faithfulness on the wrong thing. That's what, that's what the, the, the picture is that we're given. So where, where is your faith now? Where have you given your faithfulness to that's in the way of Jesus? What, what grabs your heart and enlivens you more than him? Right? Where do you need to take inventory there? Adultery, gluttony, lust. What are the things that get in the way for you? Anger, strife. You know, another big one. This one's so big, and this is why we do the table every week. But yeah, I tell, I often say this. I, I hate Matthew 18 the way it's worded. He's, Jesus says, he says, if, if, if your brother sins against you, go to him. Don't you hate that? It should say, in my opinion, if Jim sins against me, he better come to me and ask for forgiveness. It's not what it says. It says, if Jim sins against me, go to him. Go to him. Let him know. Like, do, you know, that's a sin not to, guys. When someone hurts you, when, when, they've, when they've sinned against you, especially in this body, we're called to go. Is that getting in the way of your running? Right? That's part of it. And so, again, two things. The weights that hinder and get in the way, or the sin that's so closely. And the sin is, it's a different kind of thing. Like, whereas the weights, it might be take discipline to get off, sin takes repentance. It takes, I'm sorry for what I did, God. It's looking to the cross for what he bore on our behalf as a result of what we've done. It's, it's seeing him pay for that sin. It's allowing him to pay for that sin on behalf of others as we move towards forgiveness, right? So weight and sin, both of those are things that get in the way of the race that he set before us. You hear that? Your God has a race for you. He's put it in front of you. He has, it's marked out for you. There is a plan for you, and these things can get in the way of your life of faith and all that he longs for in you and wants with you. And, and, and it's called you to join him in, as we always say, joining God as family on mission. All the ways he, he invites us to join him, the weights and the sin get in the way of those things. So can we, can we look to him? So church, where is your gaze right now? What are the weights? What are the things that have taken our faithfulness away from him? As we think about the new year, let's take inventory of those things.
Let's invite someone in our DNA or in our, that we're in relationship with to, to see those things. This is, this is what gets in the way for me. These are the things my heart has been turning to. Will you disciple me in those? Will you nurture my heart in those? Will you give me accountability and help me move in the midst of those? That's what DNA stands for. Because we often believe, guys, you know, I believe it, that it's the hardships that get in the way. It's not what he says. <laughs> The passage doesn't say, let's throw off all the hardships and and the suffering that we're going through. I wish we could do that, right? It's not that. The problem becomes is the weights and the sin are there when we face these hardships. Those are where we turn instead of Jesus. That's what's getting in the way. So let's let's get those off, he says. And, And the way we learn that is, again, look at Abram, a man who lied multiple times and got his wife taken. Look at Moses. One who, a man who wasn't confident. He wasn't confident. He wasn't confident that God would be with him. He needed Aaron to come along and speak for him, right? Look at Noah who drank too much. Look at Jacob who lied. Let's look at all these people and look at the persistence of their God who loved them, who walked with them, and who led them and journeyed them in the areas of faith. They're real people with real stories. We have a God who pursues. So let's, let's put our eyes on them and throw off what hinders Throw off the sin as we look to Jesus. And lastly, looking to. We're looking to Jesus. And, and the author of Hebrews, I, mean, I, love, I love the way he culminates into Jesus here. Jesus is he's the mission, remember? He's where everything is going. He's where every, our lives are supposed to be about him. And he, he does in our passage what he's calling us to do, right? And in verse 3, he says, consider him. What are we to consider? He says, Jesus, the author and perfecter. What does that mean? He's the beginner. He's the trailblazer. Some, some of your uh, versions of your Bible will say trailblazer. Some will say founder. Some will say starter, right? Ours says founder, I believe, right? And yeah, he's the founder. He's the pioneer. He's the trailblazer of our faith. Why is that important? It, it's important because one of my favorite passages... It's 1 Corinthians 1, where it begins to talk about wisdom. It's towards the end. But verse 21 is especially, listen to it. It says that in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It's like a tongue twister, isn't it? What? Since in the wisdom of God, so in God's wisdom, we, the world, does not know God through wisdom. So it's not our wisdom to get, that gets to know God. In his wisdom, he made it that way. You can't be wise enough to know him. What does that mean? He authored it. He started it. Your faith journey started because God initiated it. He loved you. He entered into you. He died in your place. What does that mean? It means that no matter how you come, what you did this last year, all the ways you might have sinned, all the things that were hindering your walk, where your faith might be so non-existent right now. He started it, friends. That means that you don't keep it. He keeps it. So therefore, he's the perfecter of it. He's the beginner and the ending. He promises to stay with you in it. So no matter what you bring, it wasn't you that started it. It wasn't your faithfulness. It wasn't how good you were. It was Jesus who founded it. And so we fix our, this is how we fix our eyes. What does that, what does it mean that Jesus loves us? He started your faith. He trailblazed it for you. Will you let that sink in? That it's his grace that leads, not your performance, not your obedience. 
Will you fix your eyes on that and let it melt you? Let it invite you back into relationship again. So no matter how you come today, weighed down, burdens, gross sin, whatever it is, you can look to him. That's him as the founder. And then he's the completer. Another version says he's the first fruits. He's, he's, the, he's the firstborn, another version says. Right? You know, firstborns during Passover, especially, those were the blessed ones. We're all firstborns now. He's the first fruits of that. And in identifying with us, we are all firstborns in him. We, are the, we receive his blessing. I love this is double, double imputation is what we teach in our class on justification, where justification means it's not simply we're forgiven, right? That's, he started it. But we're now, we've been reconciled to God. So there's forgiveness. Our sin is, is, is done with. It's, it's been paid for on the cross. But now we get his righteousness. So it's double, right? It's, it's not that we sin again and we lose it, but we now, we have a bank account, we have his goodness, his righteousness. And so for, for many of us, we, we love the forgiveness, but we forget about the, the you know, it's like we always say, like we love Peter in the Bible, like the, in, in, in uh, the Gospels. He's always messing up, you know, he puts his foot in his mouth left and right. He's always struggling. But Peter in Acts, he's, he's bold. He's preaching the gospel in ways that he never did in the Gospels. What happened? The forgiveness and righteousness, some, the Holy Spirit brought it to fruition in him. And has, is he doing that in you? Is, is, can you see Jesus as the finisher of your faith? Can you trust in him that he who started a great work in you will finish it? He will complete it. You know, I love, have y'all seen that with Ronaldo? They say, like, the soccer player Ronaldo... I, you know, I don't know a ton about them, but I did see one time they had this ball up in the air, and they tried to get people to jump and just touch it. And this is the place where he headed the ball in. Guess how high it was? Nine feet, six inches. My man right there knows. Nine, nine and a half feet in the air. My, this dude gets up and heads the ball in, right? And so a lot of people say, man, he jumps higher than the NBA guys, which a lot of them some of them he does. Some of the guys, you, sometimes they hit their head on the rim, so he doesn't. And it's rim's 10 foot, of course. But why? why? What, what, what helps him jump so high besides he's just a, an incredible human being, right? There, there's this concept, uh, they say with running backs, it's called smelling the end zone. The running back will have the ball, and he sees the end zone, and it seems like he goes through anybody and gets there. Right? And the same thing. You ever, you ever had that concept, that, that feeling where somebody throws something and you feel like you jumped so high to get to it? It's that whole thing. Your eyes are on it and your body just follows it. And, and it, I love that metaphor for Scripture and what Hebrews is calling us to. We put our eyes on him and it, it's, it's like we smell the end zone. I want him. I want more of him. Fixing our eyes on him. You know, the author, the perfecter, the, working these things out in our hearts it grabs our lives. It seems to where it compels us. This is the hard part about for, for preachers is, is right here in the sermon. It's that intimate, relational, beautiful thing that happens in us where we just, we all of a sudden want more of him. We're just head over heels in love with him. And, it, and it's, yeah, we're considering him. Yeah, he's the author, perfecter, but something lands Something alive happens in us, and it's the Spirit enlivening, intersecting with the Word of God, growing it in us, but there is a felt sense of, yes, I want this. I'm going to go for this, right? 
It's not, we're, we're not robots. We don't just do, it's not duty. It's relationship. One of the commentaries I read today, I love, it, it said, it says this. It says, faith is understood as a quality of a persistent attachment to Christ. Remember faith in Hebrews, he describes it, he, he says, faith is the confidence and the conviction of what we, what we hope for and we can't see. And the way this guy plays it out, it's this quality of, of attachment with Christ, this relationship that's alive. It's not just this old book and words, but it's alive inside of us. And, and fixing our eyes on him. Him becoming our delight is what I'm, I'm trying to put words to here. Um, and, and that's our hope as we think about this new year. Is that, yes, there, there are weights in the way. There is sin, nasty sin, that is, has been in my heart. Can we look to Jesus, the one who started it, and know it's his grace? It was his grace at the beginning. He died in my place. He paid for your sin and my sin. And he promises in his resurrection, that we will be like him. We will be like him. He will come back and, and, and turn all of this around. Will you fix your eyes on him in the new year? Will you run to his word in that way? Um, I wrote this poem one time. It's the first time I've ever done this. So, And it's kind of, it's kind of like cheesy, but it just worked for me. And I, I don't think I've ever read it to you. Um, but, yeah, just listen to the last part of it I, I wrote. I said, in order to secure the joy set before him, Jesus endured the race set before him. And to secure the joy set before him, Jesus endured the race set before him. Because you were the joy set before him, you can run the race set before you. And as you believe you are the joy set before him, he becomes the joy set before you. As you believe that he, he saw you as his joy. Because that's where our passage goes, friends. Through all this, set, fix our eyes on Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured. And then verse 3 says, if, you, if you're, you're thinking about giving up, consider him. Consider him, the one who endured such hostility, right? Consider him. He endured such hostility from sinners against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. How did he endure it? How, what do we consider? He did it with joy. We are his joy. The joy set before him, it gave him endurance. We, and, and everything I've read, Oh, the, the, what God had called him to, to rescue his brothers and sisters, is the joy set before him. And as we believe in that we are the joy set before him, he becomes our joy. It becomes our joy. And now, giving us the endurance to run the race set before us. It, it's not stacking bricks. It's not a list of things that we need to do better or different this year. It's... Jesus becomes our joy. And from that joy, we are compelled. It's Christ's love compels us, Paul says. We are compelled to go out and to run. And so I want to leave you with just an activity I do every year. I try to do it once a month. To be honest, I don't get to it once a month. But I at least want to do it every December, January. And here it is. It's a day of prayer. 
and I do directionally. I use directions the same way. I start it, and a day of prayer, I mean like four or five hours. I just give time away for this. And I hope that if you have kids, that each of you, your, your spouse, that you'll, you'll give each other time away to do things like this or do it together. But you start that time by looking up worship. Just getting your heart in front of Jesus, looking to him as the, as the passage calls us to. And then we look in. And we take inventory. We look at the last year. What have I been through? What's the last five years been like for me? I go on sabbatical next year. What's the last seven years been like for me in ministry? Right? We look back. Where's my heart been? Where am I today even? As we look back. And then we look forward. So we look up. We look in. We look back. And we look forward. And we look forward to what's the race set before me? What is God calling us to? What are the things in front of us over the next year, the next month, the next week, the next day? And it's just a great way to start your year. It's to, to, to begin to plan and be intentional about where your focus will be. Where will your faithfulness be? Because if you don't plan for it, somebody else is. Somebody else has a plan for your attention. They work on it every day, Right? And so with that, will you, with intentionality, look to Jesus and then look in your heart, look back and look forward. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you made us. Like we have, we have been your joy that, that you entered into creation. You put on flesh. You became like us. And you did what we could never do. You paid the full debt and you were fully obedient. You say that those who believe in you, we get eternal life, that we get that joy. And I pray for every brother and sister in here that we would all look to you and would be filled by you and would have that joy set us free in this new year. That we would have the courage to take off the weights and to deal with whatever we've been dealing with with those weights and to, and to see the sin put on you and paid for by you instead of us and, and grow in gratitude this year, grow in thankfulness this year. And our faithfulness will grow in you, Jesus, as we see that you've been so faithful to us. But Lord, if, if there's anyone in here that doesn't know the race that you've marked out for them, and they're, they're shy of coming into your presence, I pray, Lord, that this church would be a place where they learn to do that. The Holy Spirit, you would intersect with them right now and set them free, and that they would want more of you, Jesus. That they would see that you have been pursuing them for your good and their good. Uh, for your glory and their good. And so, Lord, as we move into confession and the table, Holy Spirit, deepen this in our hearts, we pray. Amen. Amen. So every week we respond to the teaching of God's Word with a time of confession. And being the last Sunday of the year, last day of the year, I thought I would just remind us, um, why do we do confession every Sunday? And the reason is, is because we do communion every Sunday, the Lord's Supper every Sunday. And uh, the Apostle Paul, when I agreed to holding a mic up here, I forgot I was going to have a Bible too. Uh, when, he, when he's telling the Corinthians about how to go about taking the Lord's Supper, he says in uh, Corinthians 11, uh, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty eight says, let a person examine himself and then so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. And our passage today was just so 
just so set us up for the table. He's talking about the weight and the sin that clings closely. And as, as Mike was talking about, uh, you know, the, the phone for him, and, and, and I, immediately some things came up in my mind. Today's the last day of the year, guys. Tomorrow it's a new year. And so in just a second, we're going to have two minutes of silence for us to confess and go before the Lord. And it may be the most important two minutes of 2023 for you. So even though we do this every week, don't miss out on this opportunity to take your sin and the weights that are on you and give them to Jesus so that then we can go and celebrate the table together. Maybe 2024 is the year that you're, you're going to grieve something that you've, you just, you've neglected grieving. Reconciliation with somebody that you just haven't pursued yet, as Matthew 18 calls you to. Maybe it's a stronghold and the enemy has in your life that you're allowing that you have not rebuked and repented of. And, and, and that's why we celebrate this is because of his death and then resurrection, he gives us the power to break those strongholds. The power to, to, to repent of the idols because we know that the, the scripture also tells us that when we repent, Christ is faithful and just to forgive us. So we, we can go not, you know, I, I know my wife and I, we get in strife, you know, we have fights all the time. I even confess with my son sometimes and I'll, you know, I'll say, I'm sorry, buddy, will you forgive me? And he's like, not right now. And Jesus doesn't do that. He's sitting there just waiting to say, I forgive you and come and let's have reconciliation. And so we don't have to have any apprehension about going to him with our sin, going to him with our weights. Going to him to, to confess the places where we have allowed the enemy to have strongholds in our life. And so we can lay those before him now and enter into 2024 lighter, ready to run the race, continue running the race. And so what, what let's do now, um, we have a confession we'll read together. And then we'll have a couple of minutes just silent right there in your seat. If this is your first day with us, Sunday with us, quiet, just you and the Lord in your seat. And then I'll pray for us, and then Michael lead us and take us to the table where then we get to celebrate that freedom that we have offered to us. So let's let's read this together now, and let's read this slowly. I know we, you know, I, I tend to buzz through it, especially when you're up here with the lights on. You, it's easy to. Whew. This is rich. This is real rich. So let's read this slowly together. Heavenly Father, this morning we acknowledge that we've been carrying the weights that were never meant for us. Too often we find ourselves weighed down and weary, struggling alone. Forgive us for turning to sinful paths to cope with our difficulties and the loneliness we feel. We repent for allowing the blessings you've given us to become distractions from fixing our gaze on you. Grant us the strength to set aside these weights and break free from the entanglements of sin, enabling us to run the unique path you've laid out for each of us. As we step into this new year, shower us with your grace empowering us to remain faithful and fixing our eyes solely on you. Amen. Have a minute right there in your seat.
Heavenly Father, sometimes we diminish the sin in our life and lose sight of the fact that God himself came down to die for it. Sometimes our sin feels so big we just don't even know what to do with it. We feel trapped. We feel ashamed. We just have resolved to live our whole lives with it. I pray that for those of us here this morning, that as we get ready to stand up boldly before you and come to the table and we eat of your body and drink of your blood that was poured out for us for the forgiveness of sins, that we would feel freedom from the weight of our sin. And and, and for those of us that have diminished the sin, that we would feel just the joy of being freed from that sin too. Lord, uh, maybe some of us, you you brought to mind a a sin or a a stronghold or a weight that we've been carrying, that we've been allowing in our lives just now that that we didn't even know was there. Would you show us what to do with it? A lot of these things, we, we, they're crutches for us. False gods, false supports. And it's like, well, we've got to stay up somehow. How, how are you going to hold us up, Lord? We're not, 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 some of us may not be sure of that. We just pray now. As we come and we, as we celebrate at your table, that we, would just, that, that we would feel a confidence that although we don't know what you're going to do, that you will do it. So I just pray for everyone in this room right now, Lord, as we, as we have confessed sin. As we've laid things before you that are heavy, things that are big in our lives, maybe things we've been truly relying on instead of you, but we're not sure how to replace with you. Would you show us that, Lord, in 2024? May we look at 2024 at the end of the year and say, that was a year that Lord, the Lord laid off some weights. He led us in a fresh way in him. So, Lord, we just confess our, our need for you now and our gratitude that you didn't just die, but you rose again and you sit at the right hand of the Father Almighty, offering us continuous forgiveness as we celebrate now. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen. I love the scripture tells us if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's receive his forgiveness together and walk and peace, and the assurance of that. And now we go to the table. And, you know, I was reflecting on the table, and because of it's, it's the place, it's common union, communion, right? In the last couple of weeks, we, had, we there was a fight in our family. I don't remember what started it, but it seemed like all of us were fighting. <laughs> someone was yelling at someone, and I'm, I come in, you know, daddy bear, just too loud, like getting on them, you know, and then they're fighting, and then this and this, and then everybody kind of goes their own way, like, okay, what just happened, you know? And then it's like, oh, wait a second. We didn't do forgiveness. We didn't do reconciliation. And this is one of the things I find in my office pretty time, a lot of times, especially with marriages. People will come in, and there's a lot of fighting. But there's, there's rarely repair. There's rarely the fighting for unity. And this is one reason I love the table, friends. The table... He says, don't come to the table. Don't come to the altar unless you go and deal with that. 
the table is here. It's an accountable meal that we have weekly that we're going to work on our relationships, that we're going to pursue forgiveness and reconciliation together because this is a table of reconciliation. It's a table of unity. And this is why we do it, one, one of the reasons we do it weekly, besides the fact that he says, as often as you come together, do it, right? <laughs> like, take this meal together. But it's the table of reconciliation. It's, it's where we work. We, we're committed to working on our relationships. And so today I want to remind you that the table is the place, as you come forward, it's, it's where we remember. It's where we consider. We look back in the eyes of faith, knowing that we have this reservoir. We need to eat. We need, to, we need to eat and drink, is what Jesus says. That's why he left us these symbols. Like, Jesus can't stay on the surface. He must go in. And so we look back in the eyes of faith, and we see him dying in our place, being raised in our place, and him now sitting at the right hand of God in power. Jesus, with a body right now, is sitting at the right hand of God, and he stands victorious for his people. It's what Acts 8 tells us, Right? And in the eyes of faith, we look forward to the day, the hope that one day he'll restore all things. And so in that faith, it, 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 it stirs that hope that one day it'll be different. One day we'll eat this in person with him, right? But for today, as we eat, we are filled with love. We have resources. We have something filling, filling us to go out with. It's his body, his blood in us. And Jesus does not come down and die again on this altar. No, instead, we are lifted up to get more and more and to be more and more like him, to receive more and more of his righteousness. That's what the table's about. So if this morning you identify with him, you've said, he is my Lord, he's my Savior, it'd be great for you to come and eat, right? to come and take, to be filled here. But if this morning you've not yet done that, You've not yet made, said, I believe on him, that he's taken my sin away. Maybe you're curious and you're investigating. We want you to know that City Church is a great place to do that. To just, We would love to even journey with you. We even have people in the back that are going to be praying uh, right now. If, if, there's, if that's something you need, there are going to be people right in front of the sound booth that, for any prayer needs that are going on, for those or in any needs. Please go after you take the meal and go, go have them pray for you or with you. But the way we take communion is you'll come to the middle. We don't release by rows. You just come forward and take a piece of the bread and the, and the wine, dip it in the, in the wine and grape juice and receive it before you go to your seat. For those help with communion, please come forward as they do. On the night that Jesus was to be betrayed, after giving thanks, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. And in the same way, he took the cup and he raised it in front of his disciples and he said, this is my blood poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Drink of it as often as you come together. And we join with the saints who throughout the ages proclaim this great mystery which goes like this. Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. Brothers and sisters, when you're ready, come and, come and take your meal with Jesus.